All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So let's start with the big breaking news out of Ottawa. This is a big cabinet shuffle here, and yeah. we got a lot of moves. What jumps out at you here? Yes, seven promotions, 23 changes. What jumps out to me was what we talked about yesterday and what we speculated yeah. is the replacement of both the public safety minister, uh, Marco Mendocino, yeah. and the Attorney General and Justice Minister, David Lametti. Yeah. Uh, I don't recall the last time both of those portfolios were, were shuffled at the same time. I think it's an acknowledgement that the provinces certainly have been very critical, all the premiers, very critical of the feds when it comes to reforming the justice system, particularly on bail reform. Yeah. Lametti was almost dismissive of this, saying, no, there's no problem. What's the problem here? Yeah. Um, and then they introduced these criminal code amendments that basically did not pass before the House uh, rose for the summer. And that really frustrated the premiers and, and from all ideological stripes, yeah. whether it was Doug Ford or David Eby or Danielle Smith, uh, Ottawa's on a different page when it comes to that. So both ministers replaced. So that, to me, that's the big one. And Dominic LeBlanc, who's who's Trudeau's number one trustworthy um, loyalist in the cabinet. He now becomes the public safety minister. It's a difficult file, no question. Yeah. Um, and we'll see if there's any changes there. Other one, Mark Holland is health minister. So uh, do close shuffle sideways. And Anita Anand continues her ascent through the ranks. Very capable minister. She's now the president of Treasury Board. So um, Trisha Freeland remains finance. No, no surprise. I mean, that was that was expected. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a big shuffle. Okay, Mendicino, the public safety minister. I agree with you that, and you were bang on the money here, predicting that he was likely on the way out, along with Lametti. And the other thing, in addition to the bail reform issues, he really bungled that transfer of Paul Bernardo, this this notorious serial killer, probably the most notorious prisoner in Canada. Uh, how he got moved to a, mi- a medium security prison, yeah. and he didn't his office he didn't even know about it. Yeah, so he, he, he bungled he, that. He really didn't ever, ever respond uh, in any. Uh, provided an explanation. Yeah. I mean, we sort of went quiet on it. And, of course, this shuffle comes on in the wake of this pull from Abacus Data out today from David Collette's company, 10-point lead for the Conservatives. Whoa. That's significant. And Mm. also what's alarming for the Liberals is for the first time it shows the Conservatives competitive in the Atlantic provinces. Not a lot of writings out there, but that's called, that's referred to as the Liberal Red Wall. You know, when we, on election night, we start counting the votes. We get those those Atlantic writings in first, first. and they're almost all o- red. Automatic liberal. Automatic liberal. That's, yeah. Right now, that's not the case. And then mm. conservatives seem to have a slight edge in Ontario. Does that translate into seats in the greater Toronto area? If it does, that threatens the liberals big time. So I think uh, something had to change here. Not sure a cabinet shuffle necessarily changes the brand problems. Trudeau's still the brand, and he still has an image problem. Okay, this was, let's play a clip here of Trudeau. This was a few days ago. Now, Trudeau was asked about, with all the troubles around Marco Mendicino, the, uh, the public safety minister here, uh, Trudeau was asked, do you still have confidence in Mendocino as your public safety minister? And listen to his kind of <laughs> evasive answer here. Here's what he had to say just a couple of days ago. I have uh, an amazing team. Uh, in Ottawa and an amazing group of MPs uh, right across the country who are committed to serving their country every single day Uh, and uh, anyone in my cabinet by definition has my confidence. Okay, as soon as I heard that, I thought, okay, he's done. He's He's toast. Under the bus he goes. Get the marmalade out. He's toast. (laughs) He's done.
So yeah, and he is. So yeah, yeah. a significant shuffle. We'll see if the policies change when it comes to the criminal code issue. Yeah, uh, there didn't seem to be an urgency there uh, that Ottawa had attached to it, unlike the provinces. So again, I think that's the biggest uh, shift today. Okay, let's talk about this Gong Show yesterday at BC Ferries oh, here with the website. So we talked about this yesterday. You and I talked yesterday at ten o'clock in the morning yeah. about how we noticed on the website how could there be a nine sailing weight from Tawasson to Swartz Bay. But only a one sailing weight from Swartz Bay to Tawasson. It just didn't Weird. make sense at all. Well, it took hour, several hours for BC Ferries to come to the same conclusion and finally admit the website was broken yeah. and that there was no nine sailing weight. And in fact, it was, you know, I think it was a one sailing weight from, from Tawasson. So people were canceling. Um, Trips because they looked at the website. And well, said, that's oh, what I was saying. How many people changed their travel plans oh, because sure. they believed the website? And I think part of the problem was when people started canceling reservations, that seemed to trigger a, an internal IT problem in that website. So, ferries has a lot of problems. I mean, they got a parts problem on the Coastal Celebration Ferry. That's one. And now they seem to have a real serious problem with their website and their whole reservation system. So, I'm not, you know, I go back, I've covered ferries for years and ridden the ferries for years. I knew David Hahn fairly well. And I can imagine Han's reaction yesterday. He would have been on this program. That's mm. the type of, of uh, CEO. It's very hands-on. He would have been on all NW's programs, taking ownership of this, ex- trying to explain what was going on. I've told the story before, showing up at Tawasson and facing a five-sailing weight out of the blue and phoning Han to you know, say, what the heck's going on here? And Han went on radio to, to take ownership of this, hired a country rock band in Tawasson, <laughs> And had them play for the for the motorists all day long and free refreshments. Wow! So it was basically trying to you know get some PR going here. But ferries yesterday very very hands off, and really I don't think it's an acceptable performance. Yeah, and the current BC Ferries president Nicholas Jimenez, I haven't seen an interview with him in in quite some time. He should yeah. be front and center on this. Yeah, again contrast to David Hahn. Yeah, who's all I remember getting woken up in the middle of the night years ago. True story. Two o'clock in the morning, my, I think she was eight-year-old daughter waking me up saying, Dad, your cell phone keeps ringing. And I was like, oh, I wake up. And I looked at my missed calls, and I've got three missed calls from David Hahn at two o'clock in the morning. So I phoned him back. So what, what's going on? He says, you better get up and get all your troops going because the Queen of the North has sunk. Oh, boy. Oh, and, wow. And I said, how many, how many are dead? And he said, I have no idea. We have no idea. All I can tell you, give you a heads up, and phone all the media. So here's an example, a CEO, a crisis situation where a ferry sinks in the middle of the night. They have no idea how many people have perished. It turns out two had. Um, and he starts phoning media, says, you know, alerting them to the fact that this happened. So that's the hands-on approach. And BC Ferries yesterday, anything but hands-on. Okay. The other big problem, there's lots of problems here. I mean, the, 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 the website debacle yesterday, and then you mentioned the, the Coastal Celebration, which is one of the biggest ships in the fleet here, in dry dock for repairs again. again. Now, I talked to Eric McNeely this morning. He's the president of the Ferry Workers Union. And I asked him, what is going on with this boat here and the maintenance here? How come it's being repaired again? It's out again. Here's what he had to tell me. I thought it was very interesting. A new issue was uh, discovered, and that's why it's out of service right now. Those uh, maintenance periods have been condensed a bit, and we think that may be uh, a contributing factor. If there's more time and more skill sets available, then there's a, there's an ability to ensure less things uh, surprise you. There's a lot of stress on our, our members right now trying to get those vessels into, into shape. 
Okay, so he said that the repair periods have been condensed. condensed. I'm not sure what that means. That's interesting. Well, I think he just said uh, they're being repaired more quickly because, he, well, he argued that there's not enough resources being put into maintenance of the ships. Now, this is, you got to remember, this guy's the president of the union, so he's trying to pressure government, pour more money into the system. It's good for him and his members and his, well, and his union. Well, I have to say, I'm impressed by Eric McNeely. But I, mean, I was, too. I was appreciative of him, him to come in here today. He's out there in the media explaining things. Yeah. Um, you know, sure. It's in his interest to have more resources in there, but nevertheless, he does flag these problems, and he's not—he's out there in the public. He's talking to people, he's talking to the media, trying to explain what's going on. He's not shying away from stuff, as we've seen from a number of his predecessors. The Ferry Workers Union hasn't exactly been the most communicative union, considering it does serve the public. But he's um, in sharp contrast and sort of a refreshing change. And some of the points he made in an interview with you are quite interesting. What does he mean by condensed maintenance? Um, but. We've got a human resource problem on the onboard side. Does the same situation exist in the maintenance yards? I mean, we're seeing this these lack of workers all over the place. So perhaps there's a lack of resources in the maintenance yards, which is another reason why we're seeing these continuing. We also problems. we also talked about this uh, wage reopener in the yeah. contract, and he said they're looking for uh, they're looking for a raise. Well, so. it's interesting. We, you know, that's sort of old school wage reopeners. You don't see those in too many contracts anymore. But uh, with inflation so high, so, so the wage reopener is supposed to take effect next year. I think is the way the contract is. And he just wants to move it up six months or so yeah. uh, to have those talks. And I, I expect they are going to reopen it and they will get a wage hike. Okay, real quickly, speaking of money, Brenda Locke, the mayor of Surrey, talking about the decision now by the province here to force through this new Surrey Police Department. She says this is going to cost the city of Surrey a lot of money. Have a listen to what she said last night. With respect to the Solicitor General, I and many of my council colleagues firmly believe this decision will negatively impact the public safety and finances of the people of Surrey for years to come. You've made the point all along that there could be pressure on government here on by the city of Surrey to put more money on mm -hmm. the table for this, right? Yeah, and they had a meeting yesterday. It was about an hour long. Um, talked to Farnworth. Uh, Locke put out a statement, but uh, Farnworth said it was a cordial meeting. There were no fireworks, uh, no threats of legal action. And, the, and when you hear these clips from Brenda Locke, that one and other ones that were made at council, it's sort of like she accepts that this is a done deal, that this is this is done, but she disagrees with the uh, government's assessment of the impact of this. She says this is going to cost money. For and years to come. Yeah, is going to cost money, not might cost money. Is going could because it is happening. So it sounds yeah. like they're that's it. They're, they're accepting they're, it. They're accepting it, yeah. um, unless she, you know. Again, she's very unpredictable, no question. Yeah. Maybe she does come in with some legal challenge, but it sounds like in her comments to counsel that she accepts this as a done deal, but she thinks it's still a negative one. Aldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Dan in Nanaimo. Hi, Dan. Go ahead. Hey, how are you doing today? Um, I tried to put my best foot forward. I knew I was coming over this morning to uh, pick up... Uh, a swim spa and heading right back over to Nanaimo. Paid full price for my reservation on Monday. Everything was good. I realized that I might have needed an extra foot, so I called them and they said, no, everything's okay. I got to my uh, ferry booking this morning in Nanaimo at 7.45 on time, ready to go, and they informed me that my reservation was voided because um, I accidentally put in that I would be over height on the way over, and I'm not over height, I'll be over, over height on the way back. So I made a little bit of an error in my booking, which means I booked too much airspace above me, I believe, because they canceled my booking and put me on standby. 
How long did you how long did you have to wait? Well, here's the caveat. I didn't have to wait. I was the last guy on the boat. Oh, so my oh, thing was I went through a bunch of effort just to make it stress free and the front line didn't do anything to really help a person out. So I could only imagine the number of uh, reservations they might be putting off and otherwise simply because of the human errors in judgment. Like, I mean, common sense would get these boats moving a little bit forward. Okay, uh, well, th- thank you. I would think at the very opinion. least you should have had a phone call, you know, rather than just arbitrarily canceling your reservation because of a computer glitch. You would think you, you know, require a phone call to notify the customer that the, the reservation has been canceled rather than just learning about it when you show up at the toll booth. Yeah, no, that is that is interesting. I hadn't heard that kind of a wrinkle on that. that is, thank you for sharing that story. Rhonda in Aldergrove. Hi, Rhonda. Go ahead. Hey, hey good morning. Uh, I grew up on the island, so I am aware of the ferry system and all the needs for the requirements and, you know, the sunshine breakfast and all that jazz. Um, <laughs> could someone please, please, please remember all these mix-ups and screw-ups and little or big errors that are causing the public extreme grief when it comes time to hand out that CEO's big, juicy bonus. I mean, a bonus is something you earn, and this is not, in my opinion, as a taxpayer, being earned this year. Thank you. Well, I'm not sure he's getting a bonus. He just started, uh, and he did a very good job at ICBC. Uh, He righted the ship there, so to speak, Uh, but he's only been at uh, Ferries for a few months now. So, um, But again, different leadership than David Hahn. Um, Han got a pretty big bonus and pension, if you recall. That was a oh, I remember. He was the million dollar yeah. man over there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, ferries is experiencing problems. I mean, there's always been f- problems with ferries. Like I grew up on the ferries as well. You know, I went through five sailing wait days, uh, the odd computer glitch. You know, you couldn't use. At one point, I think you only could use cash at the toll booth. There was no credit card or. Yeah. And I still don't think there's ATM uh, debits at, at some of the terminals. So uh, there's always been problems, but I've never seen problems cascade like this, yeah. where one knocking one ship out causes havoc. Yeah. Um, and then you've got this bizarre computer problem yesterday, this, comp- this website. Let's go to Laura in Vancouver. Hi, Laura. Go ahead. Hi. Thank you. I uh, just wanted to say Monday night, very late, I was trying to book a reservation to get over between my work schedule. And... Rather than leaving within the next two or three days, the best booking I could get was August 10th. And now I'm oh. thinking, is it related to your screw-up on the uh, website? Because everything I looked at was showing reservations full, reservations full. Well, that sounds so, a bit that's, frustrating. Again, I, well, for sure. I mean, I can't believe you can't get a reservation until August 10th. Well, I'll tell you, though, if you are planning to travel on the system here, you need the reservation, and you I would advise to get it as early as you can, walk too, it in. Although I ran into two people yesterday at the legislature, and they told me they were going to catch the 7, and I said, do you have a reservation? No, and went on the website, and it was still 50% empty as of 4 o'clock. So they said, oh, we're going to make it. I assume they made it, but you're right. The advice is get a reservation, but now there seems to be some problems with the reservation system.